Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, wherever you're listening from. Welcome back to Sophie's Stories, the podcast bringing you original handcrafted stories right into your ear holes. I write them with my hands, they go through the air, and then they're in your ears. So that's how that works, in case anyone was, <laughs> in case anyone was curious. Um, hello, hello. As promised, this episode is coming to you on a fabulous Saturday morning. Um, I will be with my best friend today having a little pre-birthday celebration. So that's going to be super fun. But more importantly, (laughs) I'm just kidding if you hear this. Um, This is the season finale of The Label Maker. Honestly, I have had the most fun writing this. It's been an absolute labour of love. I love these characters and I hope you do too. Um, So I'm super, super excited to bring you the final instalment of this. Um, So I really hope you enjoy it. Um, Probably some trigger warnings for violence in this one. Uh, It gets a bit gory partway through. So um, just keep an eye out for that. And if you don't fancy it, then that's all good. I will see you next time. Um, So thank you to all my returning listeners and to any new listeners, welcome. I am so happy to have you here. Anyway, without further ado, I hope you really enjoy the final instalment of The Label Maker. As we hastened down the familiar street, My throat burned with an acidic bite as I tried to calm my nerves. Cass's luscious blonde curls bounced in my peripheral. Both phones pressed tightly against my other cheeks. I was the least ready I could ever be, but sometimes that was the best way to approach demanding situations. That's what I told myself anyway. We cut around the corner with urgency and almost totaled an old woman walking a living cotton ball-like creature. After swiftly coasting around the two and trying not to fall into a shared panic attack, we could see the shop front in sight. My heart thumped visibly beneath my ribcage as we encroached on the front door. All the lights were out behind the frosted glass and a feeling of trepidation entered the chat, as Cass would say. We slowed to a halt as we reached the door, realised the front door was not fully closed and therefore not locked. We inched closer to the door, one hand out each looking around the edges for any kind of alarm or trip we could set off by going inside. Nothing so far. Our fingertips bumped against the cold glass simultaneously and we slowly pushed the door inwards. Upon entering, we were struck by the cold and destruction that lay silent inside. My grandmother used to say, It's the people that make a place. This was a prime example of that particular speck of wisdom. 
with all the friendly and kind souls evacuated, it was nothing more than a cold, bland studio. Our boots crunched over the glass that had been popped out of the picture frames and lay atop the marble floors. We edged over to the reception desk that was previously littered with colourful toys and collectibles. Now bare, we looked over it and were horrified when we saw what lay on the floor on the other side of it. Cass instantly lifted her hand to her mouth and stifled a gag as she looked away, and my eyes were trapped in a stare on the scene. Julian, the receptionist, was lying belly down on the floor, his mouth open, in a pool of his own blood, with a gunshot wound to his right temple. His eyes were stuck wide open and he was clutching his smartphone tightly. I bent down slowly to close his eyelids. I couldn't leave him like that. As I turned around, I saw a paperweight and a large stapler on his desk. Picking them up and handing Cass the paperweight, I turned back to stand beside her. I said a silent prayer-like thing for poor Julian and we tentatively started off down the crisp white hallway, which is now lined with a stream of Julian's blood. We could hear a muffled rustling sound coming from behind a closed door, but we couldn't locate its origin as we continued down the hall. I took a second to evaluate our current situation. We had a rock and a stapler. This was fucking stupid. On the other hand, I immediately thought of what horrible realities were unveiling themselves to Darko and continued my frivolity. If it were me, I'd be begging for someone to show up, no matter how ill-prepared they might be. We entered the eccentrically decorated tattoo parlour, the air in here was decidedly less still. It was also uninvitingly warm. There was no one in the large, bright room. I could feel both of our shoulders drop until we heard a shuffling to our right from behind what I assumed was a cupboard door. Cass looked at me straight on from under her brow. That was her, we better not be fucked, face. I nodded slowly and stood in front of her protectively. Wielding my stapler with nothing more than brute determination. I flipped it around so the hinged end was pointing outwards. However weirdly satisfying it may have been to staple an attacker in the forehead, I decided it wouldn't do much to stop them but the hinged end might be strong enough to cause some damage. As we came upon the door, the shuffling subsided and something came over me. And oh boy, if this was going to end badly for us, I was sure as fuck going to go out in style. I took one deliberate step back, 
drew my strength together and sent a forceful, enraged kick through the flimsy plywood door. Never had I felt so powerful. How naive that turned out to be. When the door flew away from its closed position, it revealed a scene I was both horrified and slightly relieved to see. Cowered in a corner, eyes shining with tears, but completely alive, was Darko. In a split second, I took in this glorious sight as her frightened eyes begged for me to take some action. She shook her head furiously as I slowly craned my neck around the door I'd just kicked in and looked down at the heap of black hoodie lying in front of me. I couldn't hold back the utter disdain dripping from my every orifice as I looked down on him with complete pity. Pity because he'd just found himself in a room with three very angry women. One very hormonal. My ego stepped aside as I remembered an important point. Someone in here had a gun. The very second I thought this, the disappointing lump on the concrete floor rolled over and started to reach into the waistband of his black jeans. Luckily, or unluckily, however you want to see it, I've had too many instances like this, and I saw it coming. I didn't want to see it. His gun or his dick, which I'm sure were both wildly disappointing. I took my heavy black boot and stomped it firmly into his crotch. His muffled moan whispered out from behind his black face covering. Whilst I bent down and swallowed a gag as I pulled the gun out of his waistband. He lay on the floor writhing for a few minutes as I turned round to face Darko and demanded, Is this him? Is this Casper? She shook her head slowly and Cass rushed over to peel the masking tape carefully off her face. My eyes widened and I returned to stare at the darkly clad figure on the floor. There were a couple of things that definitely had to happen here. We needed to get Darko out of here. We needed to get out of here. And finally, we needed to call the police. I quickly pulled my phone out of my back pocket and turned on the voice recording app. As I pondered and cast comforted Darko, I suddenly felt a firm grasp around my left ankle and both of my legs flew from underneath me. My shoulder blades slammed onto the concrete, followed by my head, and I lost control of my thoughts for a moment. The pain forced me awake again but I was struggling to get up and move. I could hear Cass yelling, her angriest, most enraged yell I'd ever heard. I couldn't really see what was going on, but I could hear a struggle taking place above me. Darko was crawling over to me, and within seconds I could feel her soft, tiny hands caressing my cheeks, 
trying to wake me up fully. I could almost see her clearly as I begged my eyesight to come back fully. It was too dim in this room to operate without my full sight. Cass was still struggling as I finally brought about the strength to pull myself up to a sitting position and gingerly rubbed the welt that had formed on the back of my skull. I saw a flash of light cross my vision in the darker part of the room where Cass was struggling. Then she shouted, Knife! I slowly gathered myself together and began to stand up. As I did, I was confronted with most likely one of my biggest fears. The masked figure had Cass in a chokehold with a nice blade planted firmly on her jugular. As my eyes came into full focus, I connected with Cass and completely ignored him, trying to reassure her that I wouldn't leave and she wasn't about to die. She stared back at me unmoving. She didn't look scared, but she did look very, very pissed. Why did you come for me? His muffled voice demanded. I had a mind to lift my palm to his face to make him shut up, but I decided against it. His tone suddenly changed and lowered as he said, I came back for you, you know. His words sent a shiver up my spine, but I fought to keep it from becoming a physical twitch as I continued to stare at Cass. When I heard from my buddy you were tracing him online, I delayed my flight. Next stop, Australia. I ignored him still as I considered what my next move would be. I knew I was pushing it, but if we got out, I'd need to prove who he was somehow. And right now, I was considering how I could do that whilst keeping Cass alive. I could see her nodding at me slightly. Even with permission, this wasn't going to feel good. But I knew she wanted this as much as I did. We'd spent our whole careers up until this point trying to bring people to justice, tirelessly researching consulting and investing in the pursuit of providing grieving families with a small slither of peace. The rubber had finally met the road and we were either answering for our indiscretions or putting our knowledge to the test. I finally looked over at him and caught his gaze in between the rim of his black hood and his face covering. And you are... I prompted slowly as we stared at each other intensely. I could hear Darko shuffling in the background. I hoped she got out and went for help, but I wasn't sure and couldn't look round. I don't have a name, he said slowly in return. Okay, so either he wasn't in this to be infamous or his real name was something highly embarrassing. A name that wouldn't match how scary he thought he was. Really, when it all came down to it, he was a serial killer with an admin assistant. He would have had a lot of work 
to glamorize this for me, and I was certain he'd never manage it. Okay, Nameless, what do you want? I grumbled as I grew tired of his general air of ambiguity. His hail tilted back a little, as if he was really thinking of his answer, until he said, I want to carry on. For one reason or another, I was enraged by this. The utter arrogance of taking even one human life and deciding that you had the right to carry on doing that was absolutely ludicrous. But we all knew he had taken many more than just one. I sensed this conversation was going to carry on forever in this particular tone and I didn't care for it. Especially not whilst he had a knife against my cousin's throat. Time to speed things up. I pulled out what I assumed was his phone from my back jean pocket and prompted the screen. As it lit up, I held it in front of his face. He took a second to look at it. As he realised what it was, his eyes widened. Want this back? I teased. I couldn't help it. As the final word left my mouth, he lunged towards me and broke his grasp around Cass, who lunged out of the way. Both of his hands grasped mine that was holding his phone, and he attempted to plunge the knife into my neck, narrowly missing as Cass mounted his back and tore it out from his hand. I could feel her trying to punch him as he lay on top of me almost completely, with his hands firmly wrapped around mine crunching a few bones in my fingers as he did. They were burning with pain and I was feeling a little confused from hitting my head. I could also feel his hot, foul-smelling breath emanating from behind his face covering. I struggled out from under him and Cass grabbed my arm and we made for the door. I grabbed Darko's arm as we all ran from the room and away from him. Darko ran in front of us and I saw a small, ragged, hook design scrawled in black ink on her right shoulder. She would have been next. I could hear this guy's footsteps thumping on the floor behind us, even more rapidly. As we came to the corner of the hallway, I felt a hand grab my ponytail and pull me to the ground. I let out a screech and then saw him standing over me. Shut up, bitch, he snarled as I looked over my horizontal body towards Darko and Cass. Cass looked back at me with a swollen black eye and Darko cowered behind her. Cass tapped on Darko and she turned to run out of the open front door. We heard a tortured cry as she ran past Julian's body in the reception. I hoped she would be safe out there until she found an officer or called the police. But with Darko gone and Cass and I in the hallway, I stayed still and hoped he wouldn't kick my skull in. I will have one of you. So, who's it going to be?
Cass edged closer and he bellowed, No! towards Cass. She stopped. And as I lay with my head slightly underneath his body, I allowed my mind to go to look for a second. My body filled with warmth and comfort momentarily. If he was going to get me, I wanted to go feeling something pleasant. The silence seemed to be eternal, and to be honest, I was hoping it would continue, as it meant no one was dead. The faceless spectre placed his boot in the centre of my chest and began to press down, taking the wind out of me and putting a lot of pressure on my ribcage. Gas! <coughs> Just go. <coughs> it's okay. I struggled, out from under the weight of his right leg. He dropped his own phone onto the marble floor and stomped on it with his free foot. He obviously didn't know anything about technical forensics. Shame on him. You think they'd do their research, but none of them ever learn. The pressure on my chest grew heavier and I was comforted by the fact that I would probably suffocate before he actually cut me up. Cass was scared. Luke would be devastated, but I just wanted them to be safe. In my lower peripheral, I could see Cass slowly bending down as she said, I just want to talk. You don't have to do this. This seemed slightly out of character for her. I heard the paperweight she was previously holding drop onto the floor as she released it from her hand. She stayed crouched down for a second when I heard a loud crack come bursting down the hallway and the pressure on my chest suddenly released. Confused, I sat up for a second and saw Cass crouch down at the end of the hall, with Darko standing behind her, still holding a pistol up in front of her and staring down the barrel with blood tearing down her forehead. I slowly looked behind me, head still pounding, and saw no name lying in a pool of his own blood on his back. He'd been shot square between the eyes. I crawled over to him slowly, hearing Cassie, careful, from behind me, and I reached out to pull his face mask down. His chiseled jaw lay aghast on his face and his eyes were shut. I didn't recognise him. He would remain a nameless, faceless monster in hell amongst millions of others. Even after we finally found out who he really was. 
I got up carefully and waddled over to Darko and Cass, throwing my arms around them both. We all stood, huddled together in silence for a few moments, as police sirens began to echo outside the entrance to the shop. Cass and I got some seriously strange looks in the airport that night, but decided to drown our sorrows in deep-fried everything before we took off. I don't remember much of it, apart from the quiet that hung between us and the copious amounts of food we consumed. We slept most of the flight back, occasionally checking on each other as we swerved in and out of napping. When we touched down, I felt relief like never before. It was the physiological manifestation of the phrase, home and dry. Luke picked us up from the airport and brought Cass home with us. Neither of us wanted her to stay home alone tonight, so we were glad to have her company. As we said goodnight, Luke motioned for me to join him walking upstairs to our bedroom and Cass hugged me before I left, patting me on the tummy secretly before I turned back to him. The next morning, out of habit I think, I rolled out of bed and wandered downstairs to turn on the coffee machine and start making scrambled eggs. I had a headache so strong I decided nothing could make it worse. So, why not drown in coffee? As the pan sizzled and the smell of my own coffee filled the room, I could hear Luke bouncing down the stairs towards me. What are you doing, Lana? Sit down, I'll do that, he said softly from across the open plan kitchen. I'm fine, I can do it, I said, hoping he'd let me so I could occupy my mind for a little while. Okay, you do the coffee, then you can sit down, and I'll cook, yeah? I conceded and poured my coffee to sit at the breakfast bar and watch him. I could see the cogs turning in his head, and mine were turning too. As I looked at the bare breakfast bar, I remembered Cass bursting in here and showing me the crime scene photos of his victims, and that's all I could think of. As I sat in silence, I suddenly saw Cass's head flick up from behind the arm of the couch she was sleeping on, her hair all askew as she smelled the breakfast floating through the house. She came to join me at the breakfast bar and her homely smell comforted me, as I couldn't bear to eat. Her swollen eye was worse this morning, probably not helped by the pressure from the flight, Luke had already handed her a pack of frozen peas as I thought this. She held it to her eye as she sat quietly. Luke shut off the gas on the cooker and came to join us, also completely silent. I couldn't tell him yet. I wouldn't let these two memories meld into one in either of our minds. We all had semi-polite conversation as the morning dragged on. I felt sick, but I was just glad to be home.
Around a week had passed. We had handed all the information over to our detective Rushmore, who had been working with Interpol over the last year. The story was starting to break on all major news channels after we had recorded and uploaded our content. We had turned our phones off in the interim. Our following had grown so much in the last few years that we knew we couldn't handle the sheer volume of responses it would get, so decided not to bother trying at all. At least until everything calmed down. This was the first time I had heard of the story since we had recorded our own. The television pulsed through from the other room as I sat on the couch. Over the sound of the washing machine, I could hear a stern news reporter stating the following. Breaking news today as an international serial killer was found dead in a backstreet tattoo shop in the centre of Tokyo. The discovery came after two consulting detectives working with our hometown police force apprehended the suspect, narrowly escaping with their lives. The suspect never gave his name to the consulting detectives, but he is thought to be 27-year-old Charlie Harper a former construction worker from Jefferson City, Missouri. Upon investigation in his various residences scattered throughout the globe, forces internationally have described his various misguided written ramblings to be cult-like and depraved in nature. One note found on the suspect's phone found at the scene read... The mammal mind is all but filled with fleeting desires and attempts to rid ourselves of a feeling of need. But what lies in between our need and us satisfying that need is the glorious hunt. The suspect died at the scene and law enforcement say they are investigating further into those he may have been connected to. Luke came into the lounge, catching me listening in. He slowly wandered over to the coffee table and switched off the TV with the remote. Coffee? he said. Nah, I'm okay, thanks, I replied. The thought of it making me a little sick. He turned round and looked at me with utter and pure confusion. And finally, the penny dropped. Lana, he said. I squeezed my eyes shut, realising I should have just taken the coffee. You're not, he continued, as he rushed over to me, knelt down in front of the couch and gently placed his palm on my thigh. What? I said, struggling to keep the smile from my face. Holy shit, he screamed, laughing and picking me up swiftly from the couch and crying into my shoulder. Lana, I'm so happy, he whimpered in a cute, tiny voice. That night, he had called round everyone that we knew, bought a million pieces of party food from a wholesale store and stocked me up for a lifetime with prenatal vitamins, so many that I would never consume them all. (laughs) As friends and family milled through the house, chatting excitedly, 
I went into the guest bathroom on the ground floor and sat on the closed toilet seat to take a break from the noise. Our friends had put up videos of themselves dancing together and laughing, sending their congratulations to Luke and I. I stopped on a story of my youngest cousin dancing, admiring her carefree attitude and so proud of who she'd grown up to be. As my finger pressed on the screen to pause the story, I saw a black mark on her ankle that I was convinced she didn't have before I left. I took a screenshot and then zoomed in on that, trying to avoid being the judgmental or prying older cousin by asking her to see it in person. As I zoomed in, my heart sank. My palms started to sweat and I felt sick again. I burst out of the bathroom door, almost knocking into my mum as I flew down the hallway. She called after me. What's wrong, Lana? I replied, nothing, mum, I'm, I'm sorry. As I entered the crowd in the living room, I found my little cousin and crouched down to grab her ankle. Hey, Lana, she said in a confused tone. What you doing, hon? She giggled a little as she watched me. I stared at the tattoo for a second, thinking, it couldn't be. It's not possible. Cass! I screamed. Cass weaved her way through the crowd behind me and crouched down beside me. What's up? She asked as I directed her to the ankle I was holding. She looked at it and then back at me. Is that? I nodded carefully as we both looked up at my little cousin and braced ourselves for whatever was coming next. And that is the end for now. <laughs> of the label maker oh it was kind of intense to record because it's like super heavy but obviously extremely fun and um i actually <laughs> i don't know what it is about this story i think i just like love these characters and like i want them to be okay so i feel like i've kind of left them like unsafe in that story but um i think this story needed that ending um, and I'd also just kind of like to dedicate this episode to International Women's Month. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot um, as I've been writing this, especially near the end, the last couple of episodes um, and yeah, just just wanted to highlight that, you know, women are so strong and the things that we go through in various states of distress or vulnerability and we still manage to come out of it um, and carry on I just think is spectacular so to all the lovely women mothers sisters cousins grandmothers great-grandmothers and beyond um, I hope you had the International Women's Month you deserved um, 
you're doing a fantastic job and yeah I dedicate this one to you guys um so thank you so much for listening if you're still here I truly truly appreciate every single person that listens um it's a lot of investment in time to listen to someone so I just I just really appreciate it and I really hope you enjoy what I'm bringing you um but yeah hope you enjoy your little Saturday morning uh frolic in this finale um I'll be back next week on Wednesday probably with a lighter episode because it's been quite a heavy story to um to write um and finish but yeah just thank you so much for listening and I hope you all have a fabulous weekend and a great week until Wednesday when I speak to you again um if you'd like to catch up or listen again to the rest of the series you can on Spotify Apple Podcasts basically wherever you get your podcasts um and yeah you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram uh, I do other content on there book reviews and things like that so if you're interested in that then definitely give me a follow but otherwise I hope you enjoyed the story today and I also hope you stay curious bye guys Thank you.